Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. Yay! And we're back on the podcast and finally it worked. We had some technical issues here, team, where Ryan's recording software did not want to play ball, but nonetheless, we're now live and kicking after probably the fifth attempt. Mr. Hayden Rolf, how are we? Handsome man. I'm I'm very good, mate. Testing one, two, three. I just want to make sure that this is working. Um, I think we're all good. We're all good. Yes, mate. I'm I'm good. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit upset today, actually, like to Today or well, this morning was was a tough one. Um, as I was telling you, like I really feel like I, f- I found my my groove again with mm. football. And I started to uh, like love it even more. When you get a good a good run of games, it's it's decent. But we played a match last night, and it looks like I have done my medial ligaments in my knee, um, which is not a fun at all. And it's I, do you know what? The most bizarre thing about it, I don't know if any of you listeners have ever had it, so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you have, but it doesn't actually, like, it does hurt, don't get me wrong, it, like, it hurts, but it's, it's not the pain of, like, the knee itself. It's like, it feels really unstable. So when I, like, put pressure into it, it the only way I can describe it is it feels like my knee's going to dislocate. Like, it doesn't feel like it's, it's in properly. So oh, it's really weird. Now, at first, I was like, maybe I just like my knee just isn't in the the capsule. <laughs> so you dislocated, I was saying. But um, well, I don't know. But it, obviously, it hasn't because um, the chap looked at it this morning. The chap. Um, but yeah, he he reckons about ten weeks minimum. Ten. Yeah. Well, if he said if it's he, oh, I'm going back next week. But he said if if it's the medial, you're looking at about ten weeks. Which is Which literally is the not ideal. first third of the season. So this <laughs> literally this the first is, third. Uh, of so the after, yeah, and especially after everything that I was saying mm. about <laughs> on the last podcast, I now actually have to be more cautious of my calories because my energy expenditure is going to reduce. Because you walk everywhere as well, yeah. so kind of off the back of that, how, can you still walk? Have you still been walking today or? Well, I walked to the gym this morning, but it's like, it's one of those ones where I know I'm yeah, not doing yeah, it any good yeah. by doing it. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, so it was like when to... I did my ankle. I played and it hurt for a week and then it was okay. And then I played again and then it was achy for a week. And it was only when I literally just didn't do anything. Play football, train legs. I tried to keep off my feet as much as possible. And I think I did that for like six weeks solid, like didn't do anything, steps well low. And that's the when it actually got better. <laughs> and it's like, as frustrating as it is, you sometimes yeah. just got to, not be on it and just roll with it because otherwise you're just going to take longer but you're young you'll bounce back mate I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried about it but it is obviously just frustrating as hell yeah that's that's the main thing it was just because of like I had the uh, we obviously won the league don't know if you heard about it not big deal <laughs> um, but because we won the league and then we played that one game where we came back and we just it was just embarrassing I lost all desire to want to play and then I was like no let's, let's go into that next game and uh, completely loved it again so yeah it's just this mate is but, exactly why even though I get injured all the time I never give up because as soon as I play one game and I come back I'm like I love it like and I'm like yeah I'm back in I'm all in so you'll be fine mate once you kind of get back in get, get some training and you'll be alright well, it's going to kind of, this next point is going to lead into the actual theme of the podcast for today, but my sleep last night was just diabolical. Was, was really, yeah, it was so, so, so bad. She looked at me. Um, obviously, because that I, it kept waking me up every, um, every so often. Hang on, I don't know if you can hear that. Can you hear the yeah, I could hear some weird noise. Go turn that like, off. What is that? Is that, is that me? <laughs> Hang on, team. What the hell's that? Uh, So, 
Yeah, my heart rate was my resting heart rate was up last night. Um, it's usually 40, 40, 41, 42, and it was 45 last night. Um, so it was a little bit, a little bit all over the place, but nonetheless, and mate, recently I told you about, did I tell you about this? About my heart rate ran, so my heart rate is between 40 and 42. It drops to at night, like consistently. And then it's been dropping to 37, 38, and it's been coming up with a warning on my iPhone. Like your heart rate's dropping low. What? Like keep an eye on it kind of thing. And I'm like, should I be worried? I'm like, maybe I'm just super <laughs> relaxed. Like I'm totally just like chilling, having no dreams, just like relaxed. Oh, it's scary. quite low, isn't it? Like 37. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess 37 beats per minute. That's a, but that's only like what, a beat every sec, every other second. I mean, what's the average on sleep meant to be? Like I don't resting. actually know. Again, it just depends on the individual and probably your fitness uh, plays a massive part. But mine is consistent. Like, well, there's 38, 42, 43, 42, 40. Let's see if this works. Hey, Google. Is it working? I mean, I've got, I've got Shmalexa here, but I don't want to say it too loud because she'll start shouting at me. Yeah, look at this. We're searching mid-podcast. Is it any good? Uh, Google's gone to sleep. Hey, Google, what is the average resting heart rate whilst sleeping? What is the answer? Here's a summary from the website medicalnewstoday.com. Their sleeping heart rate will fall to the lower end of the normal resting heart rate range of 60 to 100 BPM. In deep sleep, the heart rate may fall below 60 BPM. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant Because I swear resting heart rate is like 50, 55. It's somewhere in there the last time I did it. 60 is like the average. So, hmm. interesting. Interesting. Anyway, I'm still alive, so we ain't going to worry about it yet. That's the main thing. (laughs) Um, So what we're going to talk about today is uh, along the lines of like actually the impacts of um, a lack of sleep on your fat loss journey and actually like how imperative mm-hmm. it is for mm-hmm. your success. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to kick things off? Yeah, sure. I've just realised so before oh. we did that, um, I've just realised I put the washing machine on the complete oh, gold spin. So I could have like size, like, if you see Hayden waddling through Brighton, it's because he's now got child's underwear. Um, <laughs> mate, Dexter chewed a hole in the seal. I told you this, didn't I? For those of you that haven't heard in the podcast, Dexter <laughs> obviously just walked past it and decided to have a little nibble at the seal on the washing machine. Our washing machine now leaks and we have to put a bucket by it so it leaks into the bucket. That's another expense that Dexter's cost us, little swine. <laughs> Um, not too sure why he did that, but it's just a tiny thing. But the way he he walks into it, he would obviously blatantly just got it in the side of his mouth. So he just, just walked past it, just had a little like nibble, couple of nibbles, and and off he goes. But I'm not really too sure why. <laughs> Can, yeah, I was, I was like, "Are you yeah. still here?" I was like, "Because your face is completely frozen right now." Um, for those of you that this will be watching amazing. on YouTube, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hayden has frozen in time um, and he will be back briefly in due course. Uh, for those that listen to it, you haven't even noticed that the man has disappeared from the podcast momentarily. The, the thing is, if I have to, I'll have to log out of the, I mean, I'll, you'll still be able to hear me on audio. I just got to log out of the actual Zoom, won't I? Uh, well, you can't because you're recording. What is that? It? It's just frozen now. I guess I'm just frozen for the rest of the podcast. Oh, that's fine. It's banter. <laughs> <laughs> just that's it. You just got staring. one-sided <laughs> podcast video. Just, just me, just talking to Hayden. Just Hayden, freeze if you got smelly underarms. <laughs> oh, he's frozen. Um, so yeah. So when it comes to kind of sleep, I think often you know, and I think this this comes down to the kind of main factor doesn't it Hayden that everyone just focuses on nutrition it's like yes we need to create a calorie deficit of course but there's so many influential factors that drive our 
calorie deficit, whether it drives the calories inside or whether it drives the calories outside. And sleep is one of those that impacts both of them. And I think it's such an easy thing that like you want a a supplement that's going to help your weight loss. Like sleep is that if you can improve your sleep, you will improve your weight loss. Um, You probably agree, Hen, wouldn't you? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's one of the most underrated things that people don't really think about. And more often than not, like I reckon that a lot of people do suffer Mm -hmm. with impaired sleep, but they don't contribute that towards the reason of why they're struggling a little bit. I actually, uh, obviously you all know this story, but had a client and she basically, she came onto the program saying like, oh, I've just, for whatever reason, like, I'm not motivated or I lose motivation to want to stick to my calories and, you know, exercise as much. And she was like, I'm, I'm literally my own worst enemy. Like I, I, I just can't seem to um, mm-hmm. make it work. Like I'm good for about a week or two yeah. and then I lose it. And it wasn't until we started to unpack actually her lifestyle and what was going on. And we noticed very, very, very quickly that her sleep was yeah. awful. Like we're talking like max three hours. Um, uh, max three hours a day like it was so so bad but she was doing all of the things that you can think of like staying up at night um until like the the early hours of the next day watching tv scrolling on her phone um all of these things and it wasn't until i was like do you know what we're not actually going to do anything with your nutrition right now like we're not going to get you to focus too much on that I mean, she was still like calorie conscious, protein conscious, step conscious, those kind of things, but it wasn't the emphasis of what we were were working with. And it wasn't until we put in all of these strategies that I'm sure we're going to go through on the podcast, which actually then helped improve our sleep. But the biggest thing, wasn't it? It was like, it was all of a sudden now, her sleep was so much better. Everything became easier, like we will allude Mm -hmm. to in a second. But the biggest thing is like we didn't really do anything apart from help her fix her sleep. And that was the game changing yeah. moment for us. Yeah, man. And this is it. Like, like it's it's sleep is free. Like it doesn't cost you. I'm gonna go to the store and buy it and make sure you got enough and you need to buy some new every six weeks. It's like you will have everything you need to sleep. You just need to do some different things which are gonna help optimize your sleep and therefore optimize your results. And I kid you not, if you implement it, you will therefore have a better time adhering to your weight loss journey and as we always say the biggest factor is adherence and sleep definitely has an impact on your adherence so kind of starting things off with regards to sleep sleep has an impact on weight loss in a multitude of different ways so first and foremost your sleep has been shown on studies obviously that when you have a lack of sleep you overconsume the next day or you consume more calories anyway than you would do when you have good sleep. I think they did studies on those that got eight hours, and I believe they did those that had slightly restricted sleep only on, I want to say, like three or four hours. Um, And the difference in the calorie intake was, I want to say, between two and 300 extra calories, wasn't it? The one Those that had the impaired sleep. Um, So the, well, no, here's, I I can remember it because I I, I literally read the study not that long ago. So they did the study on the, the group that did four mm-hmm. and eight hours sleep. And basically the group that um, had four hours sleep on average ate 559 calories per day much? more. Wow. Yeah, 559 calories. I knew it was, a lot. I knew it was more, but I didn't, uh, 500, that's a lot. And if you think about it, on average, most people are on probably a five to 600 deficit. So that pulls you out of a deficit. So when people think, and this is why when it comes back to when people think they're broken, it's like, it's not. There's usually lifestyle factors somewhere that are eradicating your deficit, whether you're not moving enough, whether your sleep is bad, and then you're then over-consuming the next day. And that's it. Like Hayden said, 559 calories. That's a lot of calories. That is enough to eradicate your deficit. If you're one of those people that are just literally consistently getting terrible night's sleep, then that is first and foremost one of the things alone. You are then over-consuming on your calories the next day. And the reason being is that simply... We know that your one of your hung, hunger hormone ghrelin gets upregulated. So when you have a bad night's sleep or don't get enough hours of restorative sleep, your 
a hormone that makes you hungry or signals that you're hungry gets increased, which is therefore you have more cravings and therefore leads to an overconsumption in calories. And I think that's a key point here, isn't it, Hayden, that most of the things that cause you to not be able to lose weight when you're trying lead to you reducing your deficit in one way, shape or form. It's nothing special or magical, is it? It's literally, there is just something there that's reducing your deficit, whether it's that you're increasing your input or you're decreasing your output. It's like one of those sides of the equations are impacted from what it is that you are doing that doesn't suit your weight loss. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, there was something that I just wanted to say there on that point. Oh, that was, that was it. So just going on to the fact of like you were saying, like there'll be lifestyle factors to what is obviously going on with that impaired sleep. And this is where, like, this for me is like the real art of coaching, isn't it? Is because, like, people think when it comes to achieving your fat loss goals, it is like calories in, calories out. Mm. It's that simple. But because there's so many factors to it, um, and this is where people get lost in the weeds with, like, if it fits your macros or flexible dieting, I can eat whatever I want and still get amazing results. Yes. And, like, it is true. There's some, there's somewhat truth behind it. But, you can still drink alcohol every single night and achieve your fat loss goal. But again, we know that alcohol impairs our sleep. It has an impact mm. on our sleep. So if you are someone that struggles with sleep and you're drinking alcohol every single day, yes, in your head, you might be thinking that, you know, flexible dieting, it's fine. This, is, this contributes to my 20%. It may be, that is the case. Like it, that may be truth behind it. But like I said, like the byproduct of you doing and drinking that alcohol is actually giving you a 500 calorie increase yeah. the next day. So you're not in that deficit when you think you are. Mm -hmm. Like this is where like the art of yeah. coaching comes in. And I think so many people and forget it's it's not as simple yeah, as Yeah, and so many people, this is quite a good point on the whole like alcohol thing. So many people use alcohol as like a nightcap, quote unquote, to like relax and enjoy it. And they're like, oh, I just have a nightcap to help me sleep better. The thing is that when you drink alcohol, you actually miss a uh, stage of your sleep, the restorative sleep. So you actually end up missing and getting worse sleep the fact that you've drunk alcohol. So it's like not only are you then getting bad night's sleep due to the alcohol, you know, your heart rate's upregulated, your temperature's slightly up, which you need your temperature to go down when you sleep. You're also then skipping a part of sleep. So you're not even getting the full benefits of the sleep. So although when most people be like, oh, I slept like a log last night because I had a couple of glasses of wine, that's not a good sleeping like a log because you're actually missing out a stage of sleep. And therefore, actually what you're finding is that's why when you wake up and even though you slept like a log, you don't feel restored and actually completely rested because you've actually impaired your sleep in one way, uh, shape or form. And it's the sleep that makes you dream. I think I told you this, Hayden, from the book that I read on sleep is that alcoholics tend to obviously then have, they miss that stage of sleep that alcohol obviously makes you go straight into deep sleep and you don't have that REM sleep as much, you don't dream. So when you don't dream, the um, people that are like uh, long-term alcoholics find themselves hallucinating because their literally body is putting them when they're awake into that kind of like part stage of sleep and they start basically dreaming whilst they're awake. It brings down this curtain of almost dream um, and you start to see things and hallucinate. And that's why people, when they stay up for like, a lot of hours of time that their body needs that restorative sleep. So it starts to make you hallucinate. It's like 72 hours. It's the same thing. If you don't have that sleep, your body will force it upon you. So if you stay up for too long, you will literally start to hallucinate. Alcoholics, they hallucinate because they're missing that stage of sleep all the time, which is quite a cool, interesting fact. Here's another fact. I haven't blinked in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't think I've ever had a conversation with a picture before but I mean the picture's talking back so I'm just going to roll with it and just think that I'm not losing my marbles um, so yeah so as you can see sleep is important the main factor is that one it not only uh, causes your hunger hormones to go up it therefore also causes you to consume more calories again the next day like Hayden said study have even shown over 500 calories more will be consumed through a lack of decent quality uh, restorative sleep, which is obviously not what we want. You know, the last thing we want to be dealing with is cravings, consuming more calories than we want to be consuming because it's ultimately going to take us out of a deficit. It's going to lead us to harder time adhering to what it is and therefore it's going to then impede our weight loss as well. Not to mention your kind of cognitive function, you know. You have non-restorative sleep and you only sleep for four hours like they did in the study, for example, not only are you going to consume more, but your cognitive function isn't going to be as good. You're not going to be as alert. You're not going to be as aware. So when you are faced with certain situations, you're probably not going to make the best decision in that 
scenario as to what you would if you were completely fully restored and and, uh, rested, as it were. You know, I'm talking, I don't have any studies here, but I'm talking anecdotally. But you'd probably agree with me, Hayden, that like if you are tired, you're not going to make as good a decisions as if you were fully rested like it's kind of common sense yeah 100 percent. like you'll get that decision decision fatigue won't you and then you can probably see where mm. this all starts to then add up so uh when you've had that impaired sleep and you're like the next day that thought process of oh i can't bother to go to the gym today and then you've also yeah. had that thought process of oh i can't bother to cook i'm just going to get a takeaway mm. or something like that like it yeah. does all build up yeah um but also and no go on go on oh, i was gonna say and, and just with your exercise thing it's like that. Like you don't have good good amounts of sleep and you're knackered, you're not going to have a good a training session. So even if you're thinking it from an actual productive point of session in training, you're either not going to go or you're going to go and it's going to be half fast. And it's like, although yes, we're not training for calories burned, if you are tired and lethargic and not have a lot of energy, well, you're probably going to move less, your knee's going to be down and you're probably not going to train as hard. So the calorie burn throughout your training session will be down as well. So actually you'll find that your output is going to come down through that lethargicness from the lack of sleep as well. Yeah, and, and and then again, like this is where it just like, it's got that cascade effect, isn't it? Where it's like, if you are then going to the gym, you're still, you know, you're the most determined person in the world. Your sleep is awful, but you're pulling yourself through the session. Like Ryan said, like you're more likely to make stupid decisions, which can then lead you to get injured. So now you're injured, yeah. your energy expenditure goes down. Like, it's, it really mm. is a snowball effect of where all of these other things, but then again, moving into the exercise um, side of things, well, a hundred percent, like if your sleep is awful, like you're not going to want to get up, like your activity is no, t- I, again, I don't know what the science is on this, but you're obviously going to be doing less steps. You're obviously going to be yeah. um, less active. You're going to fidget less. All of these things that burn uh, calories, you're probably less likely to do. Which again, then it's it's going to have an effect on your um, weight loss journey. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's so true. And you can just see, like with everything, it's the it's the impact that it has. It's that second and third order consequence. We think that like a bad night's sleep is like, man, well, you know, I'm not actually consuming more calories just through having a bad night's sleep, like as in physically at the time. And it's like, well, no, that's fine. You probably don't think it actually does play any part. But now you're like, yeah, it does. It impacts your calorie deficit from increasing calories bad decisions and then moving less the next day it's like it's literally working indirectly to ruin your fat loss results basically in in essence of it um but because we don't directly see the the reflection of it we don't pay attention to it do we like no one goes oh, i had a bad night's sleep it probably affected my fat loss like no one unless they've been taught it no one will, will think about that you know no one at Slimming World or Weight Watch, but like, I need to get a good night's sleep because I need to get a handle on my cravings and my energy expenditure and my decision making. Yeah. Like people are like, yeah, I just had a rubbish night's sleep. Like it's pretty normal. And you're like, well, well it's not. And you know, even if you can't get, you know, as much as you'd like, you have kids and et cetera, you can still try and make sure that the, the sleep that you do get is as high a quality as possible. You know, even if you can't get, you know, seven to nine hours, it's like, well, okay, you can maybe only get six, but can you make those six the best quality um, that there is basically as well? This is the other issue that I have with like, you know, those um, name and shame weigh-ins. Moving my desk up somebody. <laughs> there we go. The, uh, the kind of like name and shame, name <clears throat> and shame weigh-ins of like Slimming World oh, weight name and watchers. Um is is like they don't take these things into account. Like it's literally like mm-hmm. you come in once a week. Are you higher or lower? If you're lower, you're doing a great job. If you're higher, what what are you doing? Why don't you want it enough? Like why are you eating so much? Yeah. But there is yeah. so many factors to you, you know what's going on, and these programs mm. aren't looking into your lifestyle analysis and being like because what that person that what that person doesn't need is to be named and shamed and told that they don't want it bad enough. What they really need is someone to dive into their lifestyle analysis of what's going on and give them practical tips to potentially help their sleep, to potentially help yeah. with their re- reduction of stress, like all of these other things, but it's just so overlooked. Yeah, and I'd argue that like they're going to impair their sleep because they're probably going to stay up crying because Sheila told them that you need to try harder and that's another week wasted. Yeah, and, and then again, it just goes into that snowball effect, doesn't it, where it's like, you know... <laughs> Anyway, team, so we're still rolling. Um, so, yeah, this, this this is kind of like the issue. And I, 
again, there's, I, I don't know what the, the scientific study on it is, but I'd probably go as far to say the majority of people that are looking to lose body fat and struggle to lose body fat isn't actually anything to do with the calories that, well, obviously it is to do with the calories you're eating, you're eating too much, but it's not your relationship with food necessarily. Like it's your, it is your, your lifestyle in terms of like your impaired sleep, high stress, all the things, or you're just simply not educated enough around the process to continue when things aren't going the way that you um, like them to go. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think that's, that's, that's an important point there is that we're almost so short sighted. It's again, like focusing on the wrong things, you know, like if it's one, we're focusing on the scales too much. And then when it doesn't go our way, the first thing we're doing is we're looking at, well, what are we doing wrong? And we look at nutritional exercise. We're like, well, what are we eating that isn't working? Or what do we need to cut out? Or what do I need to do more exercise for? And it's like, well, actually, you know, take a step back. You know, could you be managing your stress better? Could you be getting better sleep? Like there's so many other lifestyle factors that you want to be looking at, but no one talks about these. Like no one talks about them. They just look on, you know, focus on energy in, energy out. But it's like, there's so many things that impact that. You've got to look outside of just nutrition and exercise. You've got to look at sleep. You've got to look at stress. You've got to look at digestion, your recovery, all these different things that come under, like your energy. These are all signs and things that you want to be looking at that are going to help you basically come up and match the dots with what's not working if it's if, if things aren't going your way. And they're not. You know, instantly we think if things aren't working, right, we need to eat less or we need to move more. And it's like, well, hold on. Like fixing your sleep might actually help you inadvertently actually eat how much you're meant to be eating and it'll make you move more rather than directly attacking your calories or directly getting yourself on a treadmill, you might just be able to improve your sleep and that will just have a secondary impact on those things anyway in a positive manner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So important. So we've obviously <coughs> spoken about like what um, is the issue with a lack of sleep and stuff. So mm-hmm. should we just talk about now some practical ways to help improve sleep? Um, yeah, and just actually, one at a time. I, yeah, I, I mean, I got this from you. So I'm going to let you talk about this, but I, um, when I've actually been talking to people about this, like it's almost been game changing for them. Like they can't believe the impact that it's had on their sleep. And it was about, you know, people say, oh, you just need to get as much sleep as possible over eight hours. Um, but it's actually, there's, there's some studies to show that it's not necessarily the case, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. 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 So we actually sleep in hour and a half cycles. Um, I don't even know where the eight hours come from. You know, I know myself seven and a half hours is what I sleep best. So we actually sleep in hour and a half cycles, which basically means that what you want to do instead of aiming for eight hours, you want to always work in cycles. Now, optimally, usually seven to nine hours is going to be a roundabouts in that bracket where you want to be aiming for. So you want to look and ultimately start with that. Right. Cool. And I think most people can start with seven cycles and then see how you go from there or seven and a half so that's where you kind of want to start so the way that you look at it is be like okay cool i need to be up at 5 a.m for example so i know i need to be up at 5 a.m and then you want to work backwards with regards to your cycle so okay cool if i want to get seven and a half hours in which is going to be five cycles of sleep because it's seven fives that much so you're going to work back from that She's like, okay, cool. If I want to get up at five, I know if I want to get seven and a half hours sleep, I know that I need to be in bed by half nine. Uh, well, sleep by half nine. You know that if you need to be up at seven and you want to get seven and a half hours sleep, you need to be asleep by half 11. So that's what you want to work out first. I would say that everyone starts on seven and a half hours. Some people can do with less. Some people can work off of six. Some people find seven and a half is good. That's what I find is good. And some people need more looking at upwards of nine. So they're the kind of like three typical brackets. Once you know what time you need to be up in the morning, because most people have a typical rise time, right? You know, for work or whether the kids get up a certain time, you then work backwards for that to know what time you go to sleep. And then you obviously got to add your your um, your latency time. So your latency time is basically the time that takes for you to fall asleep. I know that I'll be asleep within 15, 20 minutes. So I know that if I want to get up at five and have seven and a half hours sleep, I need to be asleep by half nine and I will make sure that I'm in bed by nine because it gives me a half hour window to fall asleep in. And that's how I'd work it. Now, what you want to do once you thought about that is 
that can also be shifted, which is great. So once you kind of think, right, let's start off with seven and a half. And this is trial and error to know if you need less or more. You then look at the time you're going to be up, work back, work out what time you need to go to bed to give you the amount of time that you feel you need to fall asleep. And then that will give you a time. But it works great as well when you happen to stay up late. You know, maybe you stay up late and you've gone to, you know, you've had to work late or you've gone to a, a late meeting and you're like, oh man, I didn't get back till half 10. And usually, Ryan, you're, you know, you're in bed at nine. What I then do is then just work back within cycles. Well, okay, I'm, I'm back at half 10. So actually, if I usually go to sleep half nine, it's half 10. I've got two choices. I can either go to sleep at 11 or I could actually stay up and I could actually just go to sleep at half 12. Yes, that's right. I'm trying to do the maths there, mate. That's kind of confusing me for a second. And this is what I taught my clients. And my clients have been like, yeah, it's mental because I, I feel like if I'm staying up longer, like it's surely going to be like not conducive to my goals. And it's like, yeah, but if you work with your cycles, it honestly makes you feel good because Otherwise, what you do is you wake up in the middle of a cycle. When you wake up in the middle of a cycle, you feel groggy. Like, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you get and you feel sluggish, you feel groggy. It's probably because you've worked, woken up in the middle of a cycle. So even if you have to go to bed later for whatever reason, try to work back from your wake up time and try and fit it in specific cycles. So in that kind of example, if I was back at half 10, I got a choice. I could either go straight to bed to be asleep by 11 and still get six hours in. Or I could go to sleep at half 12 and I get four and a half hours in as well. So the first kind of tip is to work in cycles, know your wake up time and then work back an hour and a half slots to when you feel is a good time for you to go to bed to give you enough time to get to sleep by the time that you need to then have hour and a half cycles up until the moment that you need to be awake. Okay, so you're saying a cycle is 90 minutes, right? Yes. Is that, so it's, it's the three, so like half an hour cycles, the total cycle is... 90 minutes yeah a full cycle is 90 minutes yeah okay and then just for like the listeners as well so essentially what you're saying is it's better to get six hours sleep than seven hours sleep yeah because otherwise you're going to wake up in the middle of a cycle and you're going to wake up not feeling as fresh and, and a little bit groggy see this was like a this was a game changer for me and this was like um it was it was crazy um, when you actually see the power of doing this, because we've only ever been taught, right, that, that you know, you just want to get as much hours of sleep. Like, it doesn't matter how many hours it is, like, the more hours, the better. But, I mean, we've obviously just shown that that's not always necessarily the case. And it kind of answers some of those questions to, because everyone's had it where you've woken up and, you, you know, you, you feel like, I've just been hit by a train. What's going on? Yeah. And you're um, like, I've had so much sleep. Why do I feel like this? And it's like, it's just because you've woken up in the middle of a cycle. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, if you can't get, and just to kind of add on that thing, another great thing is, is CRP, so controlled recovery periods, naps. Like naps are the God's given gift. If you can't get in as much sleep, like that example, if I'd maybe had a late night and I'm like, oh, I only got four and a half hours sleep last night, the best thing that I can do rather than going to bed early and trying to get them in then is just have a nap in the day. And that can either be in the form of a whole cycle. So I could be like, right, I'm going to have an hour and a half nap, or it could be just a half an hour. So they're called controlled recovery periods. So you can actually have naps. Naps are absolutely brilliant. Um, and a great time to have a nap is mid-afternoon because you actually have a, uh, your urge to sleep rises late afternoon. Um, here's another quick fact thrown at you. So you're, you have a natural need for sleep, obviously, that in the day is low. And then as you get towards the evening, your need for sleep goes up because you need to go to sleep. You also have an urge to sleep. Now, this kind of follows the trend of obviously it's you know high in the morning and then go into the evening it goes up. But you have a random little spike at mid-afternoon. So everyone knows they get this like one, two o'clock-ish like slump. That is when your urge to sleep goes up. So if you can have a nap, it can help going around them because you've actually got an urge to sleep anyway. Most of us work, so we're not able to do that. So you can do it later on in the day, whether you do it when you come home from work in the evening or if it's a weekend, you can probably do it maybe at that specific time um, and that will help as well. Boom, knowledge bombs. Knowledge bombs. Um, and I'd probably say, like, if you don't take anything else away from this, like, by far, this has probably been one of, the ones that I've seen my clients have the biggest success through doing because it's something that you can control a little bit more than um, like a variety of other things. So one of the other uh, tips to help improve sleep is um, actually making sure that you're in a cool room. So it's not too hot and it's also not really, really cold. 
But again, that these are one of those things that I was saying. It's like, if you've got a partner, like your core body temperatures or your body temperatures are going to be uh, like very, very different. Mm. So obviously, if one of you is completely boiling and the other one's maybe freezing, well, you're going to be playing this game of like, you know, put the fan on or turn the heating up or something like yeah. that. So it is, it's a hard balance to do. I completely understand. And again, listening back to the clients, it's probably one of the hardest struggles that I see them saying is mm. that their partner's temperature is different. But again, it, if you can get it perfect for you in a selfish way, um, that, will, that will obviously help. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, because your body temperature needs to, be, needs to go down at night. It needs to go down, I think, about a degree um, when you're at night. And that's why we always say have a cool room because it allows your body to, hence why when it's really hot and it's summer, you struggle to sleep because your body struggles to cool down. So having like relevant togs of your duvet can really help. So not having like a summer duvet, a winter duvet in the summer and you're sweating, sleeping in appropriate clothing. We always say like crack a window, like crack a window. We always do it here at home. Uh, we crack a window like earlier on in the evening so that the room is cold when we go to bed. And we pretty much always have our windows open just to keep the room cool. Having a hot bath um, or a hot shower before you go to bed can also help because you're basically going to bed hot, which then obviously allows your body temperature to come down so that by the time you actually fall asleep, your body temperatures come down as well. But it's tough because you think like, especially in the kind of like mid ovulation phase of your cycle, your body temperature goes up. So that's why sometimes women have a hard time sleeping in their seconds part. And especially when you go into menopause and you've got hot flushes, that can make it harder as well. So you're looking at then another factor that influences it and makes it harder, you know, for women, specifically in terms of their cycle, when their body temperature goes up, which is going to make it harder to sleep. But also in the menopause, when you're having things like hot flushes, that's also going to impact your sleep, which therefore is going to indirectly make it harder for you to lose weight with regards to things such as cravings and things like that that are coming from that lack of sleep. Yeah, you really, you really got to, um, like, that's, that's such a game changer for people, um, being able to, like, regulate their sleep, uh, their temperature a little bit more or be able to actually um, do certain things to help cool themselves down, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, cool. So the other one as well is um, blue lights. Now, when we say blue lights, I mean like looking at an iPad, looking at an iPhone, like those kind of things, um, too late into um, actually going to sleep. Now, it, there's a, a load of studies on it to show that actually, you know, staring at your phone too close to going to bed um, will impair your sleep or will have an impact on it. So, you know, I typically say an hour to an hour and a half beforehand try and stay away from the to the blue lights. But again, it's it's one of these things where in today's society, like we are surrounded by our phones and stuff. Like mm. we yeah. use our phones as alarms, don't we? So again, it's very, very easy. And I know again, speaking to a lot of clients, that like it's a bad habit they get into. They go to put their alarm on, they have one last check on Instagram or TikTok and they're in a, a hole for an hour. Yeah, man. Yeah, so true. Oh, do you, are you carrying on? No, no, you, yeah, you go. Yeah. So yeah, reducing your light exposure, massive, man, because it impacts the, uh, so when light comes in, it basically impacts the melatonin. So you need to be having dim light around you so that then you actually allow the melatonin to do its job and send you to sleep. So it impacts with the hormone that helps you sleep, basically. So reducing things such as mobile phones, laptops, iPads, all those things is really going to help. Like if you can turn off the big lights in your house, and put like lamps on and things because basically what you're trying to do is to emulate what we used to have back when we were cavemen. Like you literally follow the sunlight as it's like up in the morning and then it goes down in the, in the, uh, in the nighttime. But what we had is all this kind of synthetic like light around us and it impacts our melatonin and ultimately like your natural circadian rhythm, your kind of sleep wake cycle. So reducing that as well. And I always say like, you're talking kind of 1% here, but I know myself and Hayden do it for also kind of eye protection as well, but getting yourself some blue light blocking glasses can help because mm -hmm. those that have to do things late at night, as it were, you know, maybe you got to work late or something like that, or you want to watch a film with your half, it's the only time you get to spend is just watching a film with them, et cetera. They can help because they can block the blue light that is emitted from all these, and this will then help. You know, you're talking about the 1% here. It's not going to make massive of difference, but it makes a tiny difference. And if you do have to stare at screens, having these blue light blocking glasses, you can probably see them for the most part here. You can see the blue that reflects yeah. off them. They, 
dog's going mental. Um, you can then actually, yeah, help with regards to the blue light uh, emitted on that front as well. Yeah, another one that I like to kind of uh, talk to people about is, and this doesn't just um, apply for sleep, it applies for like productivity. Um, and especially since we've been in this pandemic, most people have been having to work from home. But it's creating associations. So what I mean by that is like your living room, like you only you only associate the living room with watching TV. So you don't put your work in there. You don't sleep in there. Your office, you only work in your office. So anytime you get into the office, it's like this isn't a time to be scrolling on your phone or anything mm. like that. You're literally getting on with your work. Now, obviously, for the theme, what we're talking about today is your bedroom is like associated with sleep. So it's like if you can get those like Lumi lights or anything else where you don't have to keep your phone in the room and you just literally, you know, that room is sleep. Like you start to create these associations where um, that's what all you will use the room for. And then not only will it only help, obviously, with the sleep from doing that for, for your bedroom, but it helps your productivity when you actually come to go and do some work, when yeah. you actually um, go into the living room and spend time with your family and you're more present in your family rather than scrolling on your phone or, you know, falling asleep on the sofa or, um, yeah, whatever it may be. Yeah, man. Yeah, so true. It's creating those spaces and that the bedroom is for... St- <laughs> I remember they read, I read in, um, was it Aubrey Marx's book, Own the Day? It's like your bedroom should be, should be a space for two things, sleep and sex. Um, and that is it. Because the thing is, is also what a lot of people do, and this is quite a, like, a little hack. If you go to bed and you can't sleep for some reason, like get out of your bedroom. Like I always say this, if I can't sleep, I will get out, I will get out of bed and go downstairs. And then I'll wait till I'm tired and then I'll go back to bed again. Because the worst thing you can do is lie there toss and turn, get agitated, get hot and frustrated that you can't sleep. It's like, go do some light activities. You know, I'll go downstairs, what, read a book. You could, you know, you could tidy, you could fold some washing. It's something that's just like real low level energy and focus, but just gets you out of trying to sleep. Because obviously if you stay in that and you just get frustrated, you're going to be up for longer. And it's like, when you do things, don't do them in your room. You know, don't do work in your room, do work outside. Don't watch TV in your bedroom. Just keep that for kind of sleep. And that way, exactly as Hayden said, it's that association that also helps as well. So if you do struggle to sleep, remove yourself from the environment where you do sleep, or your bedroom, like get up, go downstairs, go do something else, then try and go back to bed as well. I always do it. As soon as I can't go to sleep, that's it. I'm out and downstairs. I'm like, I'm obviously not ready to completely go to sleep yet. I'll wait another hour and a half, then I go to bed. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Now, this next one is, uh, I think we give a little bit of different um, advice on it. But both... Uh, both points that we'll say here, and I know you, you'll know what I'm saying in a second, but both points here, that they have um, purpose to it. So it's not like either us, one of us is right, one of us is wrong. They both do have points and it's very individualistic. But when you think about, I want you to think about Christmas dinner, right? So you've eaten Christmas dinner. What is usually like the first thing that happens? You've eaten so much and then you go and sit down on the sofa after. You feel tired, right? You want to have that sleep after, like you've just had this big feeding meal and you then want to just fall asleep, like you feel really lethargic, like uh, energyless, tired. Now that's called postprandial somnolence. It's the feeling that you get after um, eating. So I do this myself. I like pushing my food closer to me going to bed because it helps create that postprandial somnolence feeling where I'm really like tired and then it makes it so much easier, especially with carbohydrates. Um, what you want to be doing. But for some people, you don't want to be pushing it to the point of where you're literally eating, going straight to bed, because then that can cause some digestive issues. You're eating so, as you're putting on your pajamas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know obviously you speak, you say to some clients, like, do you know what? Probably don't push your food further away from the sleeping. Whereas I will say to someone who is suffering with sleep, I might be like, push it closer. To go and sleep, but again, it it is so individualistic. It depends yeah. on what the client has been saying to you beforehand and what, yeah. where they're currently at. Yeah, that, and that's it. You kind of cover both points. You said like there's research show that having cars for bed can assist it, isn't it? It's to uh, it's, I'm always remember you saying about the blood brain barrier and the fact that it impacts on that. But therefore, it helps you sleep. But then you've got the other thing of like if it, it could also have the opposite. You haven't got gravity helping you digest, and you've obviously got 
your body trying to try trying to digest your food without the aid of gravity, your body needs to cool down. So if you're trying to digest food, well, when you have a chemical processes, i.e. digestion is one of them, that happens in your body, you're going to release excess heat through just the chemical reactions. So in theory, your body's going to struggle to reduce in temperature. So you kind of need to do just trial and error. Find what works for you. If you have a high-carb meal before bed and it helps you sleep with that postprandial somnolence, then cool. If you find that you go to bed and then you're just hot and bothered because you're trying to digest your food and it's not working for you, also cool. Again, it's like, you know, reflect and redirect. We talk about it all the time in the academy with our clients. It's like, you've got to take the data, assess it, see what's working for you, and then redirect in the direction that's going to serve you uh, ultimately the best as well. But boom, boom. Boom, boom. Um, do you want to say one more inch? Have you got, got another one you can think of? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, can't, I was just going to say something about the food, but I can't remember what you were going to say. Nah, forgot that. Um, keep the room dark. That's like the basic one. It's so simple. Blackout blinds. Blackout blinds, blackout curtains. They're the best you do because you need to, basically you don't want any light coming in because obviously if you know your eyelids aren't completely blacked out, they can still, obviously you can still see light like this through your eyelids. Um, so yeah, make sure you've got blackout blinds, blackout curtains. Don't have any like TVs on standby with bright light shining through because it will just impact you. So if you can have everything off, blackout blinds, blackout curtains, that's really going to help you as well. Um, alternatively, you can wear things such as eye masks or even earplugs as well. I know people that do wear eye masks and earplugs to really kind of block out all of the senses, as it were. So you really can just go into a peaceful, rested sleep with no distractions, you know, no noises, things like that. You know, one thing that I, we do it and I know it, like we have do the dogs sleep in our room on the floor in their own beds, but they move around or they scratch and their collar in the night. It's like, ding, 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 ding. It wakes you up. So it's like, if you can help it, keep animals and things out of the room, make sure it stays dark and quiet. So you haven't got like the buzz of the TV on standby or any light creeping in through the curtains. But boom. Um, and the last one that I was going to share was um, looking at kind of like if you are pushing your eating later, um, if you're like putting your, pushing your eating habits like later into the evening because of basically what I just said about there, essentially helping with uh, sleep, you probably want to or it's something to potentially pay attention is the like kind of the amount of salty foods that you're having. So if you're having like a takeaway or something like that, and you're having it closer to going to uh, bed, it may have an issue because like too much salt in the diet can like, it basically raise your blood pressure. It can then make you hotter. Your blood volume is actually going to increase. So if your blood volume is then increased, your blood pressure is increased. Again, that can affect your core body temperature. And then in turn, it can have a negative impact on your sleep like we spoke about right at the beginning. So um, it's Don't something that I've actually... Yeah, so the, that is actually um, something that I spoke to a client about recently. We were looking into what like foods and her snack in the evening was salty nuts mm -hmm. and a lot of them. And it wasn't the calories weren't the issue. Like it was fine for the calories. But I was saying you're having it's I, I think this could potentially be affecting your sleep. So whether it was a placebo to start off with, um, I don't know, but it definitely helped. So. Yeah. I'm contributing it towards that. Could have been placebo. Who knows? Yeah. And I think last one we forgot to mention before we wrap this up um, is uh, caffeine. Oh, caffeine. Yeah. yeah. Nearly forgot that. Probably Caf the biggest. <laughs> caffeine has a half-life, for those of you who don't know, of six hours. So it basically means that you ingest it. Six hours later, you've still got half the caffeine. Obviously, we know caffeine is a stimulant. It obviously upregulates a lot of things. Therefore... We always say, like, if you can have a cutoff point, like, ideally, you want to be having a cutoff point of at least kind of like like 2 p.m. Like 2 p.m. in the afternoon would be a very good cutoff point for the most people and even just swapping to decaf. So try not to drink too much tea and coffee close to bedtime. That's not going to help um, with regards to your sleep as well. Um, so keeping caffeinated beverages, uh, you know, as far away from your bedtime as possible is going to help and switching to kind of, you know, even decaf still got a bit of caffeine in it. So yeah. Boom. Love that. Boom. Um, full, of, full of knowledge bombs. I do, to be fair, I do say to everyone, 
um, when it comes to sleep, I do point them in your direction. You do have a uh, a serious amount of knowledge on it. Um, yeah, I just like binge read these two books, and I, for some reason, it literally all stuck. <laughs> you know, you read a book, good. and sometimes you only take a few bits away. It's like the whole book's just stuck. And I was like, so fascinated by sleep. I was going to say, I think that's probably what it is, is because like because you're you were fascinated by it, and like mm. it's one of those things that we just go through through life, and I can. Guarantee, like the majority of people, like don't know why we sleep. We don't know why we dream. We don't do those things. Um, so it's definitely a fascinating topic. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't even talk about like CBD, magnesium, morning routines. Maybe we'll do a sleep part two. Yeah. So all like as a, as a side note, like there has been evidence to show that those things help, but you you can't. It's it's one of those things where it's like let's say you're sleeping in the hottest room in the world <laughs> you're like you don't have yeah. blinds you're going to bed at like 12 o'clock like no amount of cbd oil or thing is going to help yeah yeah previously this is this is like carrying on from that point is to notice that like it's a supplement it supplements something that should already be at a very good efficient level it's like if you're not doing the basic stuff like don't bother like don't bother wasting money on magnesium or CBD oil or anything like that. It's like when you're sleeping in a room with crap curtains, you've got TVs on standby and you're drinking caffeine, you know, you're drinking a coffee half hour before bed. There's other easier things that you can implement that are going to have bigger bangs for their buck than that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Perfect way to round this off. Boom. So team, let's, uh, let's wrap this party up and hope you have a smashing week ahead. And... um Speak to you soon. Mate, I can't believe you still haven't blinked. Those of you that are watching <laughs> on YouTube, it must be a pretty good watch. But I feel like, you know, we've been consistent with the YouTube now. I don't want to let that consistency of me uploading go down. So we're going to upload it. It's just like half a half a, half a tube. We'll call it a tube instead of a YouTube video. It's just a tube video today. Yeah, about 40 minutes of not blinking. Yeah, that's, that's good, man. Getting uh, record. Yeah, I know. We should have probably called him up. But look, can you jump in for, uh, for an episode for us? <laughs> right team well it's been a pleasure never a choice per usual and we'll see you in the next episode see you later take care bye bye, bye, bye.